This week on the Stack of Words cast, my new co-host Brandon enters the arena. We talk about Innistrad spoilers and one in particular that I'm certainly excited for, but my playgroup won't be. Then Brandon and I take a walk down memory lane, outlining some of our favorite decks that we've ever built throughout EDH and Kitchen Table 60 card. And how our playstyle started and have transformed into the godlike skills we now possess. Thanks for listening and welcome to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Stack Awards podcast. This is Nico returning to you, and today I actually have a new co-host with me, and uh, it's one of my good friends for a long time. His name is Brandon. Brandon, how's it going today, man? Hi. Hey, today's fine. You know, moving offices isn't the uh, greatest thing in the world, but such is life, and I don't have to go to work until four tomorrow, so silver linings. That is always good news for anyone. But Brandon, you'll be with us, uh, as you already know, but for the listeners, Brandon will be with us for the for the future, for the future of the podcast, as long as he doesn't absolutely despise doing it with me. Stepdaddy's home. Yeah, and Jimmy is uh, the previous co-host. He's, uh, he's still a good friend of mine. Nothing's happened to him. He's just busy with life. And Brandon was kind enough to put up with me long enough to record some Magic the Gathering content with me. So well, we're only a few minutes in now, so let's uh, let's not get hasty. Yeah, let's not get out of hand here. We're not not putting a ring on it yet, so you're not tied in quite yet. No, we're not even to the one night stand portion yet. Exactly, exactly. But I think we have a good topic today. So today we decided to start with play styles, which we'll get into here in a little bit, and just just so you can kind of get to know Brandon specifically and a little bit more about myself, because I don't think I've ever done that in depth on the podcast before so i think it'd be a really good topic but before we get there we're gonna start doing a little bit of mtg news stuff or things that we just find interesting in magic there's not always news but with set releases coming out every 7.7 seconds you know there's always at least a card to talk about so brandon puts you on the spot what do you got well since pre-release now is the um times file remastered what um, (laughs) <laughs> no, uh, I mean the, the thing that's kind of stuck out for me. I think we were we were talking about this a little bit in our our group chat. Is it would have been nice if they would have retconned the old werewolves to do this daybound nightbound mechanic. So yep, things made sense. If you want to make your werewolf tribal commander deck or a werewolf tribal deck in your sixty card casual, you're playing in your kitchen table. It's it's a weird disconnect between those old cards and new cards, particularly when the flip conditions are really for all intents and purposes the same. Just doesn't make sense to me, but yeah. Hey, and who am I? I agree. And yeah, I like for those of you who don't like for those of you who don't know, like the when we're recording this is about two weeks before pre release of Innistrad and three weeks before full release. So correct that. One week before pre release, two weeks before release. Brandon's keeping me straight already. I'm already three sheets to the winds, apparently. So I'm procrastinating. I'm going to the LGS to pre-order my box, so I am keeping an eye on how long I have. But I I tend to agree about the werewolf thing, and it's I don't know those things. That I guess it seems simple to the player base, 
that they could have just retconned it and said this is how it works now. And I'm surprised that they didn't do it just because of the um, concentration on commander nowadays because everything's always commander now. So I wish they. I also wish they just simply retconned it so that way people could use werewolves. I know a guy in our playgroup is super excited to build them already because he's tried before and it just was not good. But I don't know. I guess that's a rule zero conversation, but it gets a little bit hairy if it's that much of a rule zero conversation. I even remember back when we started playing was around when um, Shadows of Rannistrad came out and they did Arlen. And um, yeah, even then there was Commander was in the general magic zeitgeist people thought they would do a viable werewolf commander then that's been five years now that they've had to get this right yeah at least that long and i don't know maybe they'll still re- i i don't have much faith but maybe they'll still retcon it but again i guess that's an encouragement for rule zero anymore being that wizards doesn't know in you know my unhumble opinion how to really handle commander correctly even though they're just throwing all the spaghetti at the wall at this point. But I'm still excited. All right, so moving on to my little bit of news. It's also um, related to Endestrad. It's a spoiler uh, that just came out hours ago for me, and it was, I guess it's called, I never know the weird spelling of their names, Linda Cheerful Tormentor. They just posted on group chat. Brandon, did you have a chance to look at it? Uh, was that the curse one? Yep, it's Curse Commander. Yeah. So I'm excited for this card. For those of you out there, you probably already know what it is, but I'll read it just because. So it's Linda, Cheerful Tormentor. It's one colorless and Grixis. Uh, She's a legendary human warlock, and she's a 2-4. And she reads, Death Touch. And whenever a curse is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return it to the battlefield attached to you at the beginning of your next end step. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, you may attach a curse attached to you to one of your opponents. If you do, draw two cards. This is something I love. I think it's an awesome way to help the curse mechanic, having run it before and knowing it. its flaw. It was always been getting your curses back after you've killed a player or for whatever reason. It's gotten destroyed because nobody wants them and giving you card draw on top of it. And I think it's a good example of giving you card draw and not being too much i guess i mean you're you're in curses it's kind of a janky thing anyway yeah and having your own curse attached to you is a major downside yeah the fact the fact that you get your card draw whenever you're uh you're getting screwed you're by yourself is is something good but no as, as you're reading that card i just i can't help but just think of casting it back to nature during that game <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean because really the only time curses go away is the handful of single target removal the person might have for themselves or player death i mean right there aren't a ton of enchantment sweepers in the bo- in the in the game that get actual play other than destroy all non-land all non-land permanence type stuff would be the most common. Yep, and then Ban of Progress for green gets a good amount of play. Yeah, a good amount, but it's also hampered by price considerations, at least right. I know in my own deck building. The only reason I own one is that um, Secret Lair, I think it was, or Commander Collection green. I got mine, I think, in a pre-con like, years ago when we started playing, and it was cheap then, and everything's expensive now because everyone's always commandering. And no one has anything to do outside. Everyone just buys cards, even though they can't play them in their stores. 
Yep. That's how the, the true way of Magic the Gathering. Just hoarding. But yeah, I also like that our friend pointed this out. I don't know if you've seen the art yet, but for everyone out there, look at the art. He pointed out that the voodoo doll in here is Steve from all the curses, I think, of the 2017 Commanders. I think even the... Aren't there newer ones that he's also in? Uh, I think I, they, I think he's in a few. Um, not all of them, but I think yeah. he's been in a few, yeah. Yeah. No, that's... It's a good way to... I, I guess the Vorthos, that wasn't really super spelled out. It was just kind of a a neat thing. And yep. He was in all of them. Yep. It's a cool callback, as some would say. So... But yeah, that's all I have for news. I didn't see anything else super pressing in the greater magic world other than just spoilers, which tends to be how it is nowadays, but things could be worse. Yeah, no. No one doomsaying the the format. Not at the moment. (laughs) But with that said, I think that's good enough for news today. We can probably move on to our main topic if you're ready for it. Brandon, because I like to do this to you, and I like to do this to anyone on the podcast, why don't you start? And I guess, unless you have a better place to start, feel free to. I guess the best place to start is, you know, some of your historical decks, what they were and what you liked about them and why you built them. That's a pretty broad place to start, but I think it's a good one. And thinking about that, it I mean, you know, you know my entire magic history. Mm-hmm. You were, um, what was that, 2015, 2014? That uh, you got me to finally start playing. We were working, uh, working together. I picked up a uh, M15 deck builder's toolkit, and I. Uh, it totally would have been uh, pre that because I we graduated that I was gone in 2014, so it would have been 2013, 2012. So you've been playing longer than you think. Yeah, that that's what's throwing me because I know for a fact the first thing I bought was an M15 deck builder's toolkit because. <laughs> The, one of the first cards I pulled was that uh, Liliana Vess that I've had f- the entire time I've been playing. I don't know then. Hm. I don't know. Maybe it was after I got back. but Maybe. But regardless. Yep. I, I know it definitely seems like it was undergrad. But no, I started out there. I pulled, like I said, that Liliana Vess and I got into graveyard stuff. We were playing 60 card casual multiplayer for how insane that sounds. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a lot of kitchen table magic for a long time. <laughs> Six, seven people all at a table playing the massive games. Playing 60 card, which is just impossible to kill someone. So yeah. I, I kind of fell in love with like graveyard themes. And for me, my deck building's always been more interaction based. So the first interaction I kind of fell in love with was Gerard Golgari Lichlord, which, so people know, he's a 2-2 he gets plus one, plus one for every creature card in your graveyard, and you can play one in Golgari to sacrifice a creature. Each opponent loses life equal to power of the sacrificed creature. Yep. So what I would do, it was just I would self-mill, turbo-mill myself, play a Lord of Extinction, get which is its power and toughness are equal to the number of cards in all graveyards, get him to 20 life, blow him up with Gerard, everyone dies. Yep a nice clean ending there mm-hmm. yeah when we were still playing 60 card it was that um Areo, or tommy ascended arcane lab to try to lock you guys out love that deck and then the yeah never won but it was always me trying to just vomit on the table and make people not play magic you dip your toes into stacks my favorite yeah and uh 
I didn't quite go that far, spoiler alert, uh, recently, but I've gone a little bit in that, in that direction, but, but no, it's been, it's been interaction based. And I mean, Nick, if you want to speak to how you started pre-commander, cause I think we, we both started with C17 and those tribal decks. Yeah, I think we did. No, I started, uh, I think my first deck was something else for commander at least, but either way, I mean, my old stuff, I mean, I've been playing, I've been playing magic and I've kind of touched on this before. I've been playing Magic since I was five. So my card started with Revise. But a lot of the stuff I've built through the years has ranged widely. And I think that just kind of comes with the territory for me of just playing so long. The things I seek to do nowadays, and even when we were playing 60 together, are things that are weird and different. Just because, you know, it's a way for me to enjoy the game still and do something different and I still have it be new, even if it's not good. Even then, I built an Unworld Dreams deck. It was one of my favorite decks with uh, Tefiri's Puzzle Box, which everyone's probably familiar with, making people really hate a big part of the game, which I thought was awesome to do. And that ties in later. <laughs> you had a, um, whatchamacallit, the um, Grixis Wheel yeah, yeah. One of my first commander decks. So yeah, I moved right into Nekusar. It's one of the first decks I built in commander, or I bought in commander. And then I also, I mean, I stepped into literal stacks when we played sixty with Stasis. Mm-hmm. That that little clown person. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, it's not something that I play every week because I do. I can't recognize it is a certain type of game that people don't always want to play. People might put up with it for a certain amount of time, but it's not something you should always sit down with. Stacks, personally, I don't think it should be hated on as much as it is, but it's definitely for a certain group, and it's not always needed. And then I also built combo. So my my 60 card days ranged fairly widely, but they did lead into, I'd say they actually kind of transitioned almost one for one a lot of the time into, like you just touched on, uh, my commander decks. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, because you had the neck user. I, I built draw and was... Probably my second second commander deck, I think, with that built around that same interaction. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think that was one of your earlys. My two early ones were a value based, which was Yidris, and then Nekusar. Those are the mm-hmm. two earliest commander decks, and they were both precons that I can remember. Yeah, my my very first deck was the C seventeen Wizards deck, and I switched it to Marisol the Pretender. Mm. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that you did Marisol because you wanted to kind of do the Arcane Laboratory type deal again. Yeah, it wasn't very good. So I transitioned off that pretty quickly, which I mean, I'm still I'm still messing with that concept. With I had Kess for a while, and now I have Inala currently. So I've used all the parts of the Buffalo with that precon. Yep, and it, I like Inala. I've seen some CEDH games with some really crazy lines with Inala. There's some pretty in-depth stuff you can get. Yeah, I have some of those combos. It's not it's not CDH level, but it's probably more towards your eight okay yeah there's a season of the witch combo with her that is like very obscure and very complicated line and i've seen it pulled off in a cdh video once and i was like what just happened <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm doing most of like the wander wine profits the time stream navigator those type of those type of things yeah yeah and like with that so you built that one and then i ended up moving into uh actually one of my first combo decks so i have these built out on my notes with phase one these are like all the earlier commanders that i built and this one is gave and gave <laughs> i love sapperlings um i love tree folk and sapperlings and when i found out i could combo with sapperlings i found it absolutely hilarious and gave combos if you play three cards on the table he combos with anything yeah he combos with basic lands i'm pretty sure you, you scryfall random and he combos. yeah exactly you he just has a combo 
He is a combo. <laughs> you play Gave and you combo. But that that deck was one of my early combo decks and my first step into kind of what I run now, which is get into here in a bit, but it's like combo based value without going infinite. Yeah, and I mine are mine's still very interaction or I'm I'm a big tribal person. So like I, I mentioned elves coming into this when we were in the sixty card days, I had the elf deck and it was based on the interaction between Jiraga Warcaller and Immaculate Magistrate. But no, in Jorga Warcaller, each creature you control gets plus one plus one, or each elf you control gets plus one plus one for each one one counter on it. So it's just a matter of using the putting one one counters on the Warcaller running through. And Gerard, I went into elves. I transitioned him from graveyard to elves, which was <laughs> a really dumb move on my part, but. Hey, Golgari Elves, I was um, six, five, six years ahead of the curve. Yeah, I, I hate everything you just said, because I hate Elves that much. Which, um, spoiler alert, I now have a, not CEDH Elf list, but I can win on turn three if I want to. But yeah, then the other, when I was saying I was touching on stacks, this I, I would say Marwyn for my Elves, something Golgari like Gerard or Marin, but... I'd say, if you would agree here, another signature deck of mine is Kemball, Console of Allocation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're trying to keep life on pad and paper, you might as well just <laughs> hang yourself before you even start, because it's the stupidest shit in the world. I, I can't... I, I, dude... I, I think everyone killed you because we were just tired. <laughs> it was just tedious. Of, it was just tedious. <laughs> I just didn't want to change my life total again. If I had to change my life up or down by one... For the 900th time. <laughs> yeah, no. When It was either you or Jimmy had a pad of paper, and it was double-columned at some point. It yeah, was it just, was... It wasn't stacks, but you um, you were paying taxes. I think I named it on Tapped Out, um, Paint Drain and Gain. Like that, the movie Pain and Gain that came out, I think, around the same time I made the deck with Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, and old uh, Marky Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Say hi to him with it for me. <laughs> and speaking of stacks, I actually moved away from stasis into sacrifice, which is a big part of stacks that is often, I think, overlooked. So in Commander, I found the card Smokestacks, and I'd known about it before, but I found a home for it, and it's Hendrix Sar. And you've seen the deck run. I think you've seen it run at its top form. I've poured out the salt with that deck before. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I got to this deck because... In our play group, and like I, I guess most play groups probably start like this, or most players in Commander that are new start. They can everyone can remember the day when you get your first Commander deck and you're starting to build it, and you don't know exactly what you're doing, and it ends up being, I think, pretty battle cruisery. It's a rock fight. Yeah, it's just pretty battle cruisery. And in our play group, I mean, the easiest way, and I think for most people back in the day when they first start, is to just win through combat. And dude, I hate creatures i don't like them <laughs> I, i'm an anti-creature player they I better do disagree <laughs> i know and, I, and <laughs> i've grown to change that a little bit but i still indrixar and now tevish which i'll get into are my you know those are my, that deck is my true form and it is heavily on stacks like you will not play a creature or have it out for more than a turn even yeah, I mean, it's pretty good at even wiping out tokens usually just through a couple key cards that are in there. And that was the deck that I ran for a while. And it was stacks based in mono black stacks with just slow value grind, which I ended up becoming a big thing for a lot of my decks. Yeah, that playstyle is just is just deadly in general. I mean, I know um, 
I built right after Battlebond came out, Regna and Krav. Mm-hmm. It, I literally just put all the janky ass, like, oh, I gain a life profane memento. Gain a life when a card's put into an opponent's graveyard. Yep. I would just put the janky bullshit that would just gain me a life on each turn cycle, get Krav and Regna out, and then, oh yeah, I'll play Butcher of Malakir. Oh yeah, I'll play uh, Dictator Erebos. Great fact. Smokestacks or any of and them. just, I'm sacrificing two warriors a turn uh, for each turn eight around a turn cycle and it's like oh yeah this is a little oppressive <laughs> mm-hmm. and this gets back to an idea that i learned from my dad who is who taught me magic he had a black deck when i first started playing and he even told me when i started building my own decks around the age of like six or seven his whole black deck every single card in that deck either got him to a card that made him deal damage or make the other player lose life or dealt damage to the other player every single card and that was, it was that honed. And in looking back on it now, maybe it's not the greatest deck by today's standard, but I took that same philosophy and that's how I build most of my decks. And Endric is no exception. And kind of what you just touched on with how you built your Krav and Regna, everything in the deck is built around, it better make somebody sacrifice something. And if it's yeah. not that, it's, it's comboing off of what, when they sacrifice something and making them lose life or whatever. Yeah, and that, that's actually a good way to put I, – I've noticed a shift in my brewing – I mean, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but I've noticed a shift whenever I'm trying to build a list. It's – I really hate just good stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah, I can put swords in every deck. I could put Cyclonic Rift in every deck, but where's the synergy? Like, Yeah, and it's not super fun either. Like, if I'm going to do a board wipe, do Winds of Wrath in an enchantment deck. Like, Mm -hmm. I I want, even if I'm sacrificing, like, oh, I'm not playing the optimal five board wipes or five removal, that's just not fun just to play generically good cards, you know? I I 100% agree. I want my, my stuff to be, yeah, it sacrifices a little power and a little in the arms race, but it's just more interesting that way and i'm not going to get bored with the deck as easily i 100 percent agree so i i have several more here that i've built and i can run through them quickly Uh, and then i would like to move on to what i call i don't know if you have something similar brandon like a phase two in current decks or decks that essentially i have now in decks that have survived whether they are still the same commander or a different commander they are still the same deck essentially yeah i have something similar where if we want to transition now i have three overarching deck styles for lack of a better word that i I think all of mine fall into so three different ways so i'd say one is grindy value Mm -hmm. so i would give examples of god eternal oketra the haunt of hightower sithis locust god Malcolm and Breaches, Nevin Rawl Zombies, Rune, The Hidden Realms, the cycling deck I have, I have a group slug deck that's Campbell's successor with Saskia, and Rehan Ishai plus one counters. So that's God of Tenor Oketra, since it's the first on my list, is your your Hate Bears deck. Mm. So I'm I'm playing Oketra, I'm playing a Hate Bear, so I'm slowing you down, but I'm getting incremental value here with a zombie every turn, or I'm drawing with the, the new Ristic Study. Yeah, I know what you're talking card. about. Yeah, the S so, S per Sentinel. Yeah, S per Sentinel. Yeah. And then Rune. I'm just, I'm blinking stuff. I'm keeping, I'm controlling your board with Rune. I'm 
getting extra value by blinking my stuff. So it's the it's the small incremental things. I mean, the next one I have is explosive value, and the other one I do is tribal because I have a ton of tribal decks. But tell me about explosive explo- value. Yeah, tell me about that one. So that, those are things like uh, Teshar. I have like an eggs combo build. Bruvac. I have a a uh, persistent petitioners combo deck with Thrumming Stone. Mm-hmm. Zada. Everyone knows Zada. Marwin is my elf deck. IEC is my successor to Tatiova. Inala. I have a Carador combo deck. Zaxara, the um, Hydro that does X spells. Yeah, he's cool. That's just big mana. It's- you're going to just do X things. Yep. You're going to play huge things or they're going to get countered, and you're going to win yeah. if they don't. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I put Averna, the uh, Cascade. I was going to say, is that the team of Commander? Uh, it looks like some weird Legends, yeah. Minotaur thingy. I think she might be an elemental or yeah. an incarnation or something. Yeah, she looks all yeah. messed up. And she gives you yeah, like a land, right? It's when you cascade, you can put a bring a land from exile. Yeah, right. yeah, very teamer. So it's just things where, yeah, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, and then just bam. I'm mm. just going to overwhelm you with Marwood, Genesis Wave for 97. Put my Flop my deck on the table. <laughs> Drop, flop it. Yeah. And then, yeah, Tribal, you got Marwin again, Kangiated Flying, Anawan Rogues, Rakdos Wart with Goblins, Malcolm Breaches Pirates. I have two Elf decks, so Lathrol as well. Nevin Roll Zombies. Mm. I have Jun Dragons with Wasatora, Sergwen Knights, Akirian Kaidel. It's, it started out as a clue deck. It's kind of a try with treasures and all that as well. And then I did a... So we talked about when we started playing the Battle for Zendikar. That block was when I really got into it. So I had like a box with all the color, the Void Eldrazi. So I have a more fun like Eldrazi processor type thing. It's real bad, but... The fun Eldrazi, not the miserable Annihilator Eldrazi. Well, there might be one or two of those in there. I mean, it comes with the territory. It's it just a, a sprinkle of seasoning. They're They're not the horrible, horrible ones. They're like the... The uncommon nine eight ten nine mana eight tens that have annihilator like two. Yeah, yeah, it's not full of those. It just you know a they're little, gonna sh- little sprinkling. You gotta have a top end. They're the party boys that show up to the party with you know the second keg and they just dump it all over the floor. Ulamog's <laughs> doing his thing, so um, yeah, yeah. just pathraiser show up. Yeah, just all that. just coming to party. That's it. Yeah, just uh, just a little a little fun there. I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, I have uh, not quite this. I didn't. We didn't do the exact same thing. Um, but I have two essentially categories. But mine can be broken down similar to yours. So the first one I'll I'll go through is what I touched on earlier. So my favorite decks and decks that have survived in some form for the longest. So with that, the first one is Tevish Zot, previously Endric. One of my very favorite decks. I don't think I'll ever take the deck apart. I don't think I've ever taken it apart. I've changed the commander several times. Once from Endric to Chainer, the old Chainer, Mono Black. It's it's always been Mono Black, and I still have a Mono Black, even though Tevish can, you know, skirt around that if I really wanted to. And I'm sure I can make the deck better if I made it multicolor, but I refuse to because it's just the purity, and it's kind of what you talked about earlier. You know, you it. There's a certain vision you have for a deck, and sometimes flavor wins over something that's optimal. Yeah, I mean, you could change that deck to Orzhov, but I, you know, it would it would lose something. I like, think so too. Yeah. yeah. So like it would be more. It's not really straight up Aristocrats in my mind. Mm-mm. 
it and stacks that's the honestly way it would go yeah it would yeah. it would go more aristocrats and it would lose its um purity if you went orzov i agree so that one is kind of comboed with the uh, same territory. So what my vision was, like, I love that deck, but I don't play it every week because, again, I like my friends, and I like them to actually play magic sometimes. So, you know, I don't need to I play it. I Campbell every week. <laughs> so, you know, I change it up, and I also like to play a ton of different things. But the one I turned down, it's a similar concept, and it moves more towards the graveyard part. And it just gets synergy. It's not so much I'm making sacrifice stuff. Unless a few key pieces are out. Uh, those pieces are in the deck, but it's not the concentration of the deck. Uh, and this kind of moves more towards the value-based commanders, which I tend to build a lot now. There's I build more, and we can get into this in a second. Nowadays, I build a lot more interaction with other people's boards. But originally, I built a lot more solitary. I was just trying to do as much stuff on my turn to progress my board state or my game as possible. And Nethroy was my commander that I've done that with the most now. My favorite graveyard commander. He's an amazing... I think he slept on. And maybe it's just because we move too fast now, because cards come out you know, every 10 minutes. Maybe. I don't know. I've I've given him, or it, consideration. I I still prefer Carador and uh, Abzan and Marin. Yeah. And to the him in general. Yeah, and I can see that. I, I've just had so many games with Nethroy, casting him very, like milling myself and casting him. It's a big, it's a big mid range deck. It's a, it's more on that game plan. You're making it to the mid game, and then you're you're casting him. I've cast him two or three times in a turn, after sacking my whole board that many times, and gotten extreme value off of him. Yeah, and that's that's um a different graveyard playstyle than I I tend to go to. Mm. I tend to go for your, like, when I'm going graveyard, more grindy. So it's the slow burn building up with Gerard or Marin bringing things back every turn. I don't know. I, I don't like the explosiveness in the graveyard because it's too easy to just be burned. Oh, yeah. With all the graveyard hate floating around. Now. Oh, yeah. It's a very big, and I like it. There's a reason I like graveyard, and I tell new players that I introduce to the game, Playing graveyard strategy is like putting is like playing poker, Texas Hold'em, and every single game you're gonna always have your chips in the middle of the table, all of them, because you're literally wearing mirrors for sunglasses. Yes, like people know exactly what you're doing, and you just and I like that about it. You're very open. It's an extremely powerful thing, and I've got blown out more times than I can count, but I'm never mad about it because. It, <laughs> It's what should be done. <laughs> Don't sit there yeah, and let no, me... No, no, it, it should, yeah. Yeah, and I actually started building it because our playgroup ran so little graveyard hate. And I was like, dude, this is a huge hole in the playgroup. Run this stuff, or I'm going to abuse the ever-loving shit out of it. Because... Did that start? Uh, must have been since I left. Not a lot of graveyard hate happens, dude. Like, There's so many games I run rampant with stuff, and I'm like, dude, you should... The only one that does it really is Jimmy. Yeah, he blows up my graveyard more than anything. I feel like that has to be a recent occurrence because I remember getting blown out with my graveyard Dude, so many times. Yeah, I just run rampant a lot of the time. And Step that, your games up, guys. I know, I know. And that kind of runs into my other very valuey decks. One is still pretty old. Um, it's Emery, Lurker of the Lock. It's a artifacts or something I've done for a long time. One of my favorites. It has ways to lock people out of the game with things like Bottled Cloister and Ensnaring Bridge, but it's just a value-based combo-y artifact deck. And then Lawness, which is obviously fairly new, it's a, a clues deck, which 
That deck is one of my favorite decks I've built in years, probably. You're encroaching on my territory. I know, man. And I was just like, well, it made me feel better when you said that you're still just keeping your four-color clue deck together. Yeah, I was like, Akirian Kaidel, yeah. I was like, all right, cool. I can build this and not feel bad at all. And we can play at the same time and just have so many clues and scare everybody to death. Dude, you know how bad the clues scare people and they're not really, you're not doing shit. You have like, they're so bad. I have 45 have clues this- on the table and people are like freaking out. And I'm like, dude, unless I draw two cards in the deck that are just my win cons, you don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> yeah. No, I, the, I loved that old 60 card deck I had with, um, it was based off of Tamiyo's Journal and now one, one of my favorite commander decks that you've had is the Moon People. <sighs> it was such a frustrating deck. I love that deck so much. So I actually took that deck apart and I totally forgot about that deck until you just mentioned that in my, when I was trying to make my list because I've built so much. But it I is. Remember, yeah, I remember sitting upstairs at the, uh, the comic shop with that deck. Yeah, moon People. And I remember bringing it out for the first time. I was like, Take this, motherfuckers. You're going to get moon people to uh, death. Tomer has never been able to actually accomplish. I don't, dude, maybe I just have good luck, but I tend to like pull off some janky shit multiple times. There's always like the first game, people are like, all right, what's this about? And they're curious. And then they're like, all right, I've seen that once. I don't want it to happen again. But I tell you what, the moon people are now like the key pieces. So Patron of the Moon and, um, the main dude who makes the tokens. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, they're both in my Jodzi Landfall deck with uh, the same stuff like yeah. my Amulet of Vigor and my Storm Cauldron. Mm-hmm. Storm Cauldron, I love that card. That card is hilarious when you play it. <laughs> Can you remind the people of what that card does? Uh, yeah, Storm Cauldron, I think, is like for five. It's an artifact for five. And uh, it says you can play an ex- everyone can play an extra land on their turn. However, when a player taps a land for mana, or I think it's just when they tap a land, return it to your hand. Mm-hmm. It's just just a hilarious card. It's one of my favorites. And what's the one, is it Quicksilver Fountain that <laughs> starts putting <laughs> yeah. flood counters on things? It's one of the coolest cards for our mono blue deck. Hey, everybody, have some islands and get wrecked. <laughs> it's not good. It's a bad card, but it's a funny card. It's a, it's a janky fun card. Yeah, it's a fun card. That's what it's about. I agree. So are there are there any specific themes that you I think you may have touched on this a little bit, but like I I, I always come back to like I said, tribal, graveyard, life game, like taxing. Yep. I guild I, I, guild colors or I, shards or wedges you prefer? I, I play a lot of different things like as I've touched on, but I come back to a few key ones and i would say my number one is just the value-based synergy like i don't there's a big discussion recently and i've heard on a few different podcasts about whether something's a combo or synergy or whether those are the same things but i try to very much just build synergistic or combo like decks without going infinite anymore that are just heavily based in value lawness being a prime example of that i'm not trying to go infinite every game but i am trying to make just the rube the rube goldberg machine or this just almost self-running deck with a bunch of awesome pieces you know it might take five or six pieces for it to happen and it's happened with me with multiple decks i've had where the deck is just doing so much on one turn because of how well you've built it. Not necessarily going infinite with two cards. You've just made a very wholesome deck because it's focused. Yeah, and some of those are the hardest for me because I'm awful at hitting all my triggers. 
Yeah. I am, I am the king of mistriggers. Yep. I think we all are at a certain point because so much happens. And I guess the other thing I like to build, I really, or build and play, I really enjoy playing just some weird shit. So I have a pingers deck that is actually Paco and Halden. So it's a teamer pingers deck with just a lot of janky stuff that happens in there. Like I forget, Nekute is a artifact. I forget the exact wording of it. And I don't want to hear, I don't want everyone to hear my clacking of my keyboard, but it essentially lets you tap, if you've done a point of damage to a creature, as long as Nekute is on the battlefield, it stays tapped. Stuff like that, like Hirobi has a soft spot in my heart, just because there are ways to change the game to make it a different game of magic. I like the normal game of magic, but I like when things are different and make people play a different game. Hirobi does that terrifically because it's just such a weird game when you play that card. <laughs> yeah, and really when I think of you playing, I, I kind of pigeon... I, in Sands Green is where I, I, see, I see a lot of Grixis. Yeah. Esper-type colors. I don't like green very much. Yeah. It's a backup color for me. It's a color that's like, oh, you know what might make this deck a little bit better? A little green, but I'm only going to use green just to, just because of how good it is now. That's a whole different yeah. discussion, but I'm using yeah, it for I, the I'm, power I'm parts. A I'm a whore for green. I mean, I I default into Abzan type things. I'll, I'll play Golgari, Orzov, Selesnia, which I think we were talking about this the other day. My least favorite colors yeah. are is it? Yeah, we I now have three is it decks for no real reason. I found myself trying to do that stuff too. Like I don't like Azorius and I don't like green that much, but I've tried to start building those decks because it's a different way to play and it's a very valuable thing to learn. And I, I think that's, I've been doing the 32 deck challenge, which I think that's a good thing because it forced me, I mean, I started out, I built the Locust God and I'm like, oh, Malcolm and Breaches, that mm-hmm. looks interesting. And then recently with um, Strixhaven, Veyron, I'm like, yeah, Veyron's good. Uh, I had that Kess deck where it was um, based around Thousand Year Storm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I can do this. And I don't have sure. too many. I don't like Is It too much either, but I do like. I had Mizzix for a long time, and I recently just changed it to. Uh, speaking of Malcolm, it's Malcolm and Clark. And that deck mm-hmm. is a blast to play because you just get to flip coins or do nothing. <laughs> Clark is in um, Veyron. Yeah, he should be. Clark is a blast. Oh, no, I, I lost the coin flip. Guess I'll just cast it again. Kind of, but like, there's I, the first time I played it, dude. I just I cast some huge spell, flipped the coin. Everyone was like, "Oh shit!" Lost the flip. It just returned to my hand. I tapped out to do it, and I was like, "Pass the turn." And I was like, "Really? That's it?" But the next turn, I copied it like five times. <laughs> so it's a it's, guns. it's very lucky explosiveness <laughs> if that's a theme yeah anything that you um tend to avoid when you're building creatures man i don't care about combat damage uh i rarely do uh, it, recently it's changed a little bit i've tried to change that a little bit like i just built gruel dragons like you and i talked about earlier tonight a little bit which is a tarka i built mono red dragons a few weeks ago and just slotted them into felden and then i did i wanted to be more focused so i changed it and then I also have Toski because Toski is a broken piece of shit for a mono green stompy. Because I also, I've taken stuff apart and kind of set myself back a little bit. But I also was on the path, but then strayed of the thirty-two deck challenge with all the colors. But generally, just I don't care about combat damage, man. Like that's not my way. If I got to win with it, I will. But what about you? What about you? Like I said, I'm I'm a dumbass. 
just with magic, though. I mean, I, I like to think I'm a generally smart person. I cannot keep my triggers in check. <laughs> and, I mean, I, I, so I, I really control. I'm not going to be paying that close attention when your turn's going on. Yeah. Uh, hard stacks, like a dedicated, like, combo deck where it's just digging, tutoring for your line. Like, that's not fun after one or two games. I agree. And then I'm a hypocrite here, but some spell slingers type stuff. Right. With, with Veyron and all that. But And I think those are still, like, the exclusions for you and me both. We have things that we love to play, and then we have things that we're trying to branch out and appreciate. But they're not our, like, you asked me what deck I would most likely play. It's not going to be those. And I think you'd probably say the same. Yeah. With this, try to do a little bit of research on what other people view as archetypes or play styles. And I actually found some interesting things based on this. So there's a couple articles out there on various websites. Uh, and there's a cool Reddit post. The Reddit post is a little bit beginner level. But I think it's a good thing if anybody out there is a beginner, I'll post in the show notes. The I'm not going to go through it because anybody that is established will know what this is. But it's the deck types, and it goes through like Battle Cruiser stack, Spell Slinger Control, Pelifort, and so forth. And also what you can consider power levels. It's very broad, and I don't want to go over it today because it kind of loses focus. And the power level conversation is a whole can of Yeah, I hate that conversation. There's a million things out there to listen to power level on. Go find them. Just google for three seconds and you'll get it but there's a couple articles that i did find interesting the first one coming from hipsters of the coast which i like that news site a good bit and the other one's a blog post in card kingdom that's the one i would say is more valuable and takes the outlook of play styles in a different direction that i found very interesting but we'll start with hipsters of the coast they kind of listed five different decks that you should build, and it kind of plays into the playstyle thing. And I found these pretty cool and interesting, and I think I do have each of these. And um, I'd like to know what yours are too, Brandon, and what you think of these in general. It's not a hard focus, I guess. But the first one is Daily Driver, and that one's more of a, a deck that you have on you anytime you think you might play Magic. It's your go-to or pet deck, I think is what they're getting at there. So your daily driver is the deck that you would always bring to a table. It fits in most playgroups. It might be a little bit too powerful sometimes, but it's a thing that you like to play. It's not going to be super oppressive. For me, it's Emery, Lurker of the Lock. It's what I'm going to play. The thing I would like to play and I would always bring with me, even when I'm traveling up north to play with you guys, is Marwin, but that's not yeah. going to work with <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, I get no, that. I mean, if I had to choose one in that range, it would probably be God Eternal Oketra or um, Work Goblin Tribal. Yep, because I mean, with those, they're pretty applicable. A catcher makes it a rock fight. Wart is just goblins are. I, my my motto on that is goblin trash masters a redundant name. <laughs> um, but yeah, a catcher uh, makes it a rock fight. He's king of the trash. Then, in the trash, <laughs> being all the goblins. And goblins, I mean, you can play them however you want. You can throttle them down. You can go crazy. Goblins are kind of just walking trash cans, if you think about it. They're smelly and gross. And I mean, gob- goblin bombardments, you, you just smash people with them, and yeah. And then they have, um, the next one is the Rube Goldberg machine, which is near and dear to my heart. They use that, not me. For me, I've built a lot of these decks. <laughs> and you actually told me once that I was building Rube, Rube Goldberg machines, and it kind of cracks me up. Uh, for now, it's probably Hirobi, and it's me trying to get out Dingus Staff, Hirobi, 
in Endless Whispers, uh, which essentially makes everyone's creatures always die, and uh, something that makes creatures die a lot. I think that when I have Spreading Plague, whenever a creature comes into the battlefield, destroy all the creatures that share type with it, which is hilarious to do with those cards. Like, stuff like that. It's just a, essentially what they're after, I guess, is just weird decks. Yeah, for that, mine, I would probably default to Teshar. Because it's just bad cards that end up comboing in the end. I have a Tishar too, and I would say that is also a Rube Gold Blue Machine. <laughs> in a way, I would say my Carador, because it's mm. it's kind of comboy, but it's also kind of complex comboy. Yeah. Like if, if you had if you gun to my head said, "How does the Boon Weaver Giant combo work?" Just just kill me. I <laughs> I'm gonna fumble my way through that. Like if I play the deck, I need to look at like my little list and see like okay. You're Here's like, what I go get. You slam a dictionary-sized book on the table full of notes, and it's just like that scene from Charlie and... <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm also the one that like says, I'm a dumb magic player. I miss a bunch of triggers, and I'm trying to play this Carador deck. It's, it's awful. So you are Charlie in the mailroom from Always Sunny. You just you think you've got it, and you're like, I got all this, yeah. And the other three, I think, are kind of typical. I don't think they're super interesting. It's the monocolor experience, janky tribal, and the heavyweight. The heavyweight being probably your Marwin, I would guess. Marwin or Icy, yeah. Yeah, and for me, it's probably what I'm rebuilding right now to sit with higher level stuff is get Rog Monster, janky tribal. I mean, I think we both talked about it already. Mine's probably Lawness. Pick a deck. Yeah, there's tons, dude. And the monocolor experience. Night nights are pretty bad. I mean, Eldrazi is probably tad, strictly janky. Probably go Eldrazi. Yeah, I mean, jank's fun. I I do enjoy jank a lot of the time. I don't know. It just gets different cards, and that's my focus. And that is actually a good segue yeah. into a few of the next categories, which are from the blog post at Card Kingdom. These again are what I want to concentrate on, and what I want to get your thoughts on, because mm-hmm. I found them very interesting. So they have four, four different categories, and their, I guess, idea in their article was that the design of wizards towards commanders and the archetypes of players that are designing for is somewhat outdated, being like the Timmy, the Johnny, and the whatever. I always thought they were dumb names, but I didn't Timmy, make them up. Timmy, Johnny, Spike, and yeah. Vorthos. I forget what the Vorthos yeah. actually is. Yeah, those are the ones. So... They actually chose to go into a more refined and I think thoughtful grouping of different types of playstyles. The first one being artisan. So artisans, uh, I'm going to read a little bit of their initial blurb for each of these. Artisans are the players that make up the largest portion of commander player base. They enjoy getting the best out of their decks and will generally keep their deck built up if it brings them joy. They're also very likely to enjoy the iterative and merchant development of their decks and part of their joy stems from the deck building process, which they might enjoy as much as the game itself. I will say that I thought I was this when I first read this article. However, I don't think I am because there's another one that I think fits me better. But I think that I am close to this. What are your thoughts I, on this, Brandon? I do kind of self-identify with this, not by choice per se. Right. Because you you know me, I moved uh, a thousand miles south into South Florida here recently. Mm-hmm. So I I had an LGS when I was in the DC area, and yep. cool stuff for how much I like them as a store. I don't like the way they run Commander, and really before the pandemic started, I was only there a handful of times and haven't really. I've played with you guys once in the past year and a half. 
Yeah. So it for me, I when I moved down here, I took apart all my decks and started from scratch, and now I'm at, oh, I'm rebuilding, and I'm probably 24, 26 out of 32 for this deck challenge. You make me so proud. I feel you really. I, I said it earlier, man. You've really inspired me to get back on my my building. I really want to get there with you. And I fell in with a, a lull here recently, but I well, recently I've picked back up. I fell into a lull there after buying a house and planning a wedding and all well, this, yeah, but. you know, real life stuff. Yeah, you know, over cardboard. Come on, man. I mean, my spending habits haven't really changed, but <laughs> I did avoid yeah. buying a box of uh, Forgotten Realms. But no, I I empathize and I see myself in this one. I think so is too. And I think that you also might see yourself in the next one, which I think I fit better. Actually, one additional thing is I, I don't, I'm not good at keeping up my decks like in, in this one. Mm. I, I, I've started trying to be better about that myself is actually tinkering with existing decks rather than always building new. Yeah, and I, I found it easier like over a lunch break. Like, okay, here are the new cards. The, could this slot in here type thing? But for the longest time, like I just would never update things. I, yeah, I did the same thing. And I think it's as fun to try to tinker with stuff than it is to build anymore. I've been trying to do that more, and I do find quite a bit of joy in doing that. So do you like this this first one as far as what you see as a good archetype for a playstyle? I'm on the fence because I feel like it's it's one of those where it's broad enough. It's it's like a um, generic main character in a in a story. Yep. You you want to do it enough so that the reader or the watcher can project themselves onto the the character. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of on the edge of that giving me those vibes a little bit, but I'll I'll bite here. Yeah, I think it I would have to agree with that. It's very broad, but if Wizards was going to try to target different sectors of commander players, I think this is a good start for them to look at for one of the groups. Mm-hmm. So the other one I'm going to go out of order here actually a little bit for what they had in the article is the one I feel that I am, and it's the second one. Uh, Maybe I'm a mix of artisan in this one, but it's explorers. So explorers are the final profile. uh, I'm just reading directly from the article. The final profile I'd like to cover is that of an explorer. Explorers have a voracious appetite for novelty and are always looking for the next fix. They don't rest and often spend time trawling through old cards to look for niche effects and underplayed synergies. I really feel like I more hone in on this one for myself, still a mix of this and the artisan, but I do love finding really weird, obscure cards, like what I talked about earlier with Hirobi maybe, that are just not played regularly in order to just, I enjoy, and they talk about this in the article a little bit, I enjoy like someone being like, what card is that, dude? And picking it up and looking at it. I think a one recently, you'll probably, I think it would fit in your elves almost. Maybe. There's, it, decks like that are hard, but it's in still energy. It's a one green enchantment that just lets you untap a creature one extra time a turn. Anytime. Yeah, maybe. You know, stuff like that. I, I enjoy things like that. What are your thoughts on that? I, I do see that for you. And uh, actually, the f- first thing I thought of when you were describing it is kind of a complaint I've had about Wizards printing and creation style here in recent years is that it's kind of a dying sector because Wizards is like digging up all of the ar- every archetype gets a commander now like Madness with um yeah, Anya Asma Dakadar and Anya yeah. yeah it's 
there's no fitting a square peg in a round hole. Like, my Kiri and Kaidel clues. Like, that was just Shadows Over Innistrad. And, uh, and, and I, I don't want to... I, I enjoy the game of Magic, and I always want to focus on, like, our joy of Magic, because there's a lot of things to complain about. But I would agree with you that they make it too easy now to just mm-hmm. make it happen. Yeah, there's no trying to figure things out. There's no... Except for Minotaurs, there's no, like, terrible, horrible thing that you can just try to force but not be good right unless you really really want to i mean and it's obvious i think it's almost a power creep thing like i've sat down with some janky things at a table in our play group our regular play group very recently and it's been me sitting down with this janky thing that i just want to try out it's not the worst pile in the world but it's definitely not the best and then just the average decks in the play group just shit all over it yeah and I'm not blaming anybody for that in my playgroup, but it's just because things are so honed now. It's a yeah, big difference. The swords are sharper, and it's just harder to find that niche. <laughs> swords. Are, everyone has real swords, and I'm showing up with a butter knife. I've got a butter knife, some duct tape, and a whole lot of meth. That's Thrall, all. <laughs> let's do this, Thrall Tribal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just... But no, I, I, I do agree that... I guess that's the double-edged thing. Like, if it's uh, an archetype for wizards to print to, that's kind of an oxymoron in a way. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to target this group at all. But I do think that it is definitely... It, it's a group of players, yes. Yeah. But targeting the group is the opposite of what the group once yeah i I, yeah it's antithetical um yeah yeah i i think you're 100 percent on point with that all the you're the brains already of the podcast revelers revelers i think is an interesting one revelers are the players who sit down to play commander primarily because it's their way to have fun with their friends that is reductive and very broad i think that's pretty much anybody who plays yeah i mean but yeah that's all the people Winning is often the last thing on their minds, and when they do, and when they do try to win, it has to be in the most spectacular way possible. If someone foils their plan, they better do it in the most insulting and dangerous way possible. A reveler will love the idea that someone could copy their torment of hellfire or other game-ending spell and relish in the idea of someone might try. Uh, that just sounds like a different name for battle cruiser magic. I could see that, and I could see that as I don't know. I, I feel like Eric in our play group fits this well. He's just there to play with us. And obviously, like I don't know. I feel like the whole "I'm not trying to win" thing is just like, dude. Of course, you're trying to win the game. Everyone's trying to win the game. It's the point of playing the game. But like, how hard, how sweaty are you getting trying to win? It's an interesting one. I'm not a fan of it. What do you think? I mean, it has its place. I mean, I know I've I've definitely had situations where it's like I just don't care about this game. I just want to do like I have a a non-winning goal. Yeah, like, it's, it's not often, but it's like I want to do a thing, and I whether it wins or not, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or you're playing with someone that's new, or they still have that um, wide-eyed exuberance, and their soul hasn't been crushed by magic yet. Where it's like. <laughs> Yeah, let's 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 see let's, let's see you do the thing. They haven't played against shitheads like you and me that play Kumbal and Indrik Sar. So yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm worried about um, my future brother-in-law's coming up to our bachelor party in a couple weeks, and I'm I'm worried about him <laughs> when we play. Andrew, our friend in our play group, is the newest, and I waited a solid year before I really started bringing out things that were really shitty, like milling people. I didn't touch on that earlier. Love milling people to death. And I think the first time I played it, I played a traumatize on him. I was like, mill half your library. And he just laughed. And then I was like, no, for real. And he's like, what? 
And I was like, yeah, man. <laughs> just take half your library and throw it in the trash. <laughs> but I normally, like, doing that to new players, dude, yeah. it's like, it's pub stompy. I'm not trying to do that. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that I think is probably wherever you're at in the community, like, whether you like that in general or not, I think a lot of people that are out for the better of the community take new players and to be like, hey, man, this is how you play, and these are all the cool things you can do. And once you have your, I guess, your chops, then the game's on. I wish I had your wide-eyed exuberance and <laughs> yeah. undated yeah. nature. Yep. that's. I just try to pretend that I am one of those people a lot of the time. I just, just try to get all goose pimply for magic and stuff and just like, whew, I love it. And then... Yeah, I just get shit on. And the last one in this article is a definite archetype, is what they call athletes. And athletes are the players who get their kicks from demonstrating their play skill, their deck-building prowess, and their knowledge of the format. I do like parts of that. And then the rest of it says, they like to play to win, they expect each player to be on the same page, and they care less about the social contract. It isn't that they don't care about it at all, it's just that it comes second to winning. And I think that's important because I do, depending on the game that I'm playing up here, it depends on what we sit down. It's that rule zero conversation. Sometimes we'll sit down and be like, hey, anything goes, play what you want. And if that's something that's super high power, we also down with super high power. And dude, I'm going to try to, I'm going to play a winner orb and I'm going to try to stack the freaking table out. And it's just one of those things. Yeah, that's the issue I have down here. It's like this, this really describes the play style at the, um, the LGS where I am. And I think it's a product of you have to put a $5 buy-in and the winner of a pod gets a pack. So no one's playing for fun. They're just yeah, playing to, they must win. Yeah, it, it, it kind of, it takes away an aspect of Commander for me at least. Mm-hmm. But I this is a, I guess, a fairly decent segment of the player base. So it, it works as the intended purpose here. It's just not one that I love to do enjoy yeah i think that there is a like a lot of enfranchised players do play games where they are all in the athlete mindset however i don't think it is the predominant mindset of any of people outside the cedh well even the cdh community that it's that is the social contract I, they they all go in knowing that this is the game we're having Yes. I yes. mean, they think disregarding the social contract is more on the pub stomp level, and right. Like if you tell me, if you tell me openly, like, hey man, I got a L, like I got a major land destruction deck. I'm going to play this. And it's a stacks land destruction. I'm going to be like, sweet. Unsarcastically, cannot wait to see this. But thank you for letting me know, so I can try to not get that done to me and play and, my uh, top tier thing. Some of the most fun games I I had in um. When I was in Maryland in the D.C. area, a buddy of mine, Evan, had a CDH stack stack, the Bant Bird. Derevi, man. Yeah. Derevi. I might I might build that then, soon, actually. And then someone else had a, um, I think it was Thrasios and Timna CDH yeah. deck. And it was like, all right, let's 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 throw uh, what we can here and see if we can solve this puzzle. Yeah, let's throw some bows. Like, and that's what it is. It's a puzzle. Knowing, knowing going into it, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where stacks belongs. And people... I disagree with it. That's a whole other another conversation. Maybe we'll have someday. People hate stacks, and they hate L- any form of it. Any form of not letting another player play the game, they openly hate. And it, it led to the bannings. And again, I don't want to get too far on a tangent here, but it led to the banning of um, Hull Breacher and all this other stuff. And I just don't. 
I don't agree that there should be a void of that commander. I think that it has a place. It just it's a place where everyone agrees to that game. Yeah, it has the place, and I mean, part of the issue is not everyone has a ton of time. Like EDH night at the LGS was for a lot of people five to nine p.m. one night a week. So it's that's like, the only games you're playing. If I'm stuck here playing a two hour game with a stack stack. It's like that's half my my fun nights. Right, and that's and that's a big reason I don't play stacks or Tevish now every week is because you know sometimes I want to get five six games in and see cool stuff to happen. I don't always want it to be a super grind fest. Yeah, you got to be respectful of other people's time as well. Yeah, and, and that's a there's a lot of things to consider, and I think maybe it just hasn't been. I haven't heard it, and maybe it just hasn't been vocalized in that way. I've heard pieces of this bit of conversation but i think stacks is as important as the rest of it it just has a certain place in time and you're allowed to not like it i mean there's things i don't like i freaking hate discard decks but it's a cool puzzle to try to fight through so anything else you got to say on the card kingdom blog post that we went through any of those any that you would add not off the top of my head here i think it they're broad enough that they hit your general population without really a whole lot of gaps I think I would agree because even some of the other ones like Janky Tribal or whatever can fit into some of these. So I think I would agree on that. All right. Well, with that said, Brandon, do you have anything else for the better of the podcast before we call it an evening? If I had something, I don't think it's for the betterment of the podcast. So oh, nice. we'll just leave it alone. <laughs> All right. Well, that said, I think that concludes uh, our conversation for today. With that said, thank you all for listening. As always, my name is Nico. And for Brandon, thank you for listening. And we'll see you on the next one.